know more about you. Lord, let it not be just head knowledge. I, I know I personally like getting into all the head knowledge stuff, but Lord, let it be more than that. Let it be something that changes our, our minds, the way, we, the way we think about the world, the way we think about things around us. Let it be something that changes our hearts, the way we feel about the people around us, the way we feel about ourselves. Lord, let it change our actions, the way we act with others, the way we act uh, when we're by ourselves. Lord, um, let us uh, become more like Jesus this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid, maybe you had the same experience. I, um, I, I loved Christmas morning. And I remember, I don't know how old I was, but I, I was pretty young. And uh, we'd always go over to my, my grandparents' house uh, for, for Christmas Eve. We'd stay over at my grandparents'. I remember trying to stay up as late as I possibly could, which is probably 10 o'clock, right? <laughs> and I, I remember even going to the bathroom and I splashed cold water on my face so I could just stay up a little bit later. And I'm sure my parents loved it. And, <laughs> and all your parents go, uh-huh. <laughs> just get them to bed <laughs> and go to sleep. But there was this anticipation, right, that something really good was going to happen on Christmas morning. I remember that once I finally got to bed, I'd stay up late in bed listening as closely as I could for any little noise, anticipating something really, really, really good in coming in the next few hours. Can you imagine anticipating something for years and years and years and years? That's what we see in the entire Old Testament is this anticipation building all the way from, from Genesis through uh, Malachi. You know, it's, it's this anticipation of there is a Messiah coming. And it, it, with, with each prophet, it seems to build and build. He's coming. He's going to, and it, there's a further evolving of who, what does this Messiah look like? Who is he? What, what is his purpose? What is his plan? When is he coming? Where is he coming? What, what time is he coming? And there's a buildup for thousands of years to the point where Jesus comes. We've been looking at some of these themes building up. We looked at Son of Man. Today we're going to look at a very, very... Um, important character uh, in the uh, whole um, motif, the whole theme of characters and, and covenants in Scripture that, that reveal Jesus, and that is the son of Abraham. Abraham. Abraham is a, um, you know, not only is he uh, important to Christianity, he's important to, um, to Islam as well. We, i you know, we, we believe that, that Christianity is correct, all right? And Islam is a bit of an aberration there, okay? But nonetheless, he's an historical figure that is very, very important in history to so much of the world. But really, he, he does not prefigure Muhammad. He prefigures Christ, Okay? Let's, let's look at Abraham a little bit this morning. I'm going to more tell you the story here. 
because it spans a good number of chapters. Uh, but one thing I really want um, you to do, and I'm hoping that one of the, not only will you learn some more about uh, the anticipation of, of Jesus through, through this, but I want this to open the Old Testament to you. When you read the Old Testament, my hope is that you start looking at it and going, how is God showing us Jesus in these passages? See if you can find it. Let it be like a, um, a, a, a hide-and-seek, you know, a scavenger hunt, right, that you're going in and you're saying, okay, what is, what is God showing us about Jesus in the Old Testament? Because it's all over the place, and the, and the themes are, are completely, you know, it's like a thread woven all the way through. Um, there's a book I read in, in seminary. Uh, it's called um, uh, Old Testament Narrative. Is, is the guy's name is uh, Alter, uh, his last name. He is a, a, a non-believing Jew, okay? So he does not believe in, in God at all, really, but he looks at the Old Testament, and it's really fascinating because he, he even he is seeing, and there's like all, how all these authors put everything together. And it's just an amazing, amazing experience how these authors wove all this whole thing together. I'm saying, yes, there is a big A author who put it all together. But it's amazing to listen to some, to, to read somebody who sees all these themes and how, it, how intricate it's, it's all together. And I'm telling you, only a, a human could not do this. Okay, I don't care how good the author is. I don't care how good the authors, you know, if you look at all the different authors of the Old Testament, the human authors, I don't care how good they are. There's no way that they could put all this together. Okay? There has to be a big A author that's in charge of it all. If you remember, Abraham, was a, he was living in Ur of the Chaldees, and God uh, came to him and he said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your land. I want you to go to the land of Canaan. This is... Uh, if, starting in uh, Genesis 12. But you go to the land of Canaan. So he packs up everything and takes off and goes, goes to Canaan. This is when Abraham is like 75 years old. So I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you um, this descendants like this, the sand of the seashore. So he, he picks up everything and he takes off. That's exactly what we would all do, right? Come on. It, Abraham's the father of faith. It takes faith for him to, to get started. But let me tell you, I think his faith grows. And what we're going to see a little bit later, I think God has a plan to grow his faith and actually grow our faith. All right? So he takes off. But, um, you know, along the way, he, he, hits some, he hits some speed bumps. Right? There's a, there's a famine, and he, and he goes into Egypt. Right, and he, of course, this is what everybody would do. You go into Egypt when there's a famine, and you say, "Oh, my beautiful wife, uh, would you just say you're my sister? That way, they're going to treat me good too." And Pharaoh says, "Hey, look, there's a beautiful woman. Can I have her as my wife?" And Abraham says, "Sure, why not?" That's what you all guys you do that right with your your honey. <laughs> no, and so so um, what what happens? This is this is really fascinating. It says that God hit Egypt with lots of plagues until Pharaoh scratched his head and said, what did I do wrong? And he goes to Abram and says, Abram, 
why did you just say this woman was your sister? So he said, well, he, she is my sort of my sister anyway, but yeah, we, we, she, we are married. And so he, they send them out of Egypt with lots of wealth. Does that sound any familiar? Why do you think that, that happened? To prefigure Israel and the exes. That's exactly what happened with Israel. Pharaoh took over, you know, Israel made them slaves, right? God said, no, I'm going to send you out with great wealth. Then they, because of the plagues, they sent Israel out. Why does it say that um, out of Egypt I have called my son about Jesus? Remember Jesus? Um, they, they're in uh, Bethlehem, and all of a sudden the persecution comes, and so they flee to where? Egypt. Why? Because God, God knew all that was going to happen, and he put all of this in the Old Testament to show that Jesus, Jesus is the fulfillment of the son of Abraham, and also the prophet like Moses, but we'll get into that later, right? Some of these themes overlap. But, right, this is, this is amazing Thanks. So what, um, there's a promise of the multitude and descendants. Um, then in, uh, uh, God comes again and says, there's a, I'm going to give you descendants, right? And then um, what happens? So along the way, uh, Lot, who is um, Abraham's nephew, they're going together, right? And they've, they've come out. Oh, before I leave Egypt here real quick. Um, you, you remember when uh, um, Abraham said, well, I'm going to try to make this happen on my own, right? And actually, Sarah, his wife, says, hey, hon, I can't get pregnant. Why don't you um, get pregnant with my, my slave girl? Where did, where did the slave girl come from? Egypt, right? So they're, they're getting lots of wealth. They're getting lots of people. So um, Lot and Abraham decide to split up. So Lot goes, and then Lot gets uh, Lot goes down towards Sodom area, but um, uh, they come along, and uh, Lot and his group get captured, right? So Abraham gathers his folks and says, "I'm going to go rescue them." This is amazing. This is amazing. This is um, flip over. This is this is Genesis 14. I'm going to show you this real quick. Um, Chapter 14, verse 17. It says, after his return, so Abraham goes, Abram at this time goes, um, and they defeat all these five, Abram defeats these, these kings, right? A lot, uh, five of them together. Um, so then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was the priest of God most high. He blessed him, said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of all. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread of a, a sandal, a thong, anything that is yours, for fear you would say I have made Abram rich. 
I don't take anything except uh, what the young men have eaten. So there's this character Melchizedek, right? Um, who is a, he is a priest king. And uh, people don't really know exactly. It says um, king of, of, of Salem, all right? It, that's actually, people think it could be Jerusalem, all right? Because, uh, you know, Jeru, um, Sh- uh, Salem is part of Shalom, is part of Jelus- Jerusalem, right? So they're not really quite sure, but um, the writer of Hebrews says Melchizedek doesn't have any history. He was, he was from with, without parents. He is a king forever. And Jesus is king like Melchizedek. So Mel- Abram gives Melchizedek a tenth of the spoil. And Melchizedek blesses Abram. Now, what is really interesting is right after this, this is when God gives Abram the promise, not just of this sentence, but makes it more specific. I'm going to give you a son, and he cuts a covenant with him, and all of a sudden, um, things really start to unfold. And a lot of this, I believe, is because there is a blessing that comes when, when there is a submission. Okay, we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But Abram comes and he, he, he submits to the, the priest king, right? He does that by, by giving him a tenth. He gives him a tithe. He says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. And then the, this blessing comes. It's really in the form of Jesus actually blessing. It's a precursor. You can see this in Hebrews. I'm not just making this up, okay? Um, so... This blessing comes and everything starts to pick up. God, um, God comes to Abram again and says, you are going to have a promised child. You're going to have a promised child and we're going to, I'm going to uh, uh, make a covenant with you. That covenant is going to be circumcision. But when, he, when God says, I'm going to give you a promised child, it says that Abram believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. All right? This is very important. Okay, I want you, I want you, I want you to get this. This is this is, and this is Paul's argument in the New Testament. Abram believed before God said something that gave him a command with the covenant. Okay, the command is is first of all circumcision. All right, and there's there's more stuff in the, that goes with the law later. But before the law ever ever came, Abram believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay? Do you get that? The reason I'm emphasizing this, you're going, okay, okay, why, why are you going over this and over this? It's because the whole promise is for us to believe and to be given righteousness, not about how we act. Okay? You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot do enough good works in order to get there. Okay, it's not about following whatever law and legal regulations there are, there are, whether that's biblical law or natural law or you know civil law. It's not about doing good in order to be able to get to heaven. You're never going to make it. The only way to do it is to believe in the promised son, son of Abraham. Now, I'm going to fast forward here a little bit. Consider the, one of the greatest 
um, pictures that we have of the son of Abraham in Genesis 22. Abram and Sarah, Abraham and um, Sarah get their promised child after 25 years. Abraham is right around 100. Sarah is right around 90 years old. All right, so none of you all are too old yet. Okay. To, to have their promised child. After waiting for 25 years, they had their promised child. And when he's, uh, he, he's um, just really kind of a young man, God's, God calls Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to do something for me. He said, yes, sir. What is it? I want you to take that, you know that promised child that I, you've been waiting for, for for 25 years to get? Yes, sir. I want you to go kill him. You want me to do what? I want you to take that child, I want you to go on a three-day walk, and I want you to sacrifice him. And he said, yes, sir. I'll go. And the, the picture is, that when, in Genesis, it really kind of slows down and it says they walked on together. It was Abraham and his son Isaac, and they walked on together. And they, they get to the, the mountain. Remember this? Um, they, they see it from a distance. They get there. By the way, this is the same place where, um, where the temple is set up. This is what everybody believes. They get to the mountain, and Isaac says, Hey, Dad, we got the fire here. We got the sticks. Um, where's the lamb for the offering? Remember what Abraham says? He said, son, God himself will provide the lamb for the offering. And they go up the mountain, and, and they, Abraham binds up Isaac, lays him down, and takes the knife, right? And he, he raises it up and is ready to, to make the fatal strike on his son. And he has, so here's an angel. Abraham, Abraham. Don't harm the child. And he looks over and there is a ram caught in a thicket by its, by its horns, right? Caught in a thicket. There's the offering. So they offered that to the Lord. But, but wait a second. Did, did, you, did you catch that? When, when Abraham and Isaac are about to go up the mountain... Isaac says, where's the lamb, Dad? You know, there's a difference between a lamb and a ram. Isn't that right? And the, a lamb is little, right? A ram is, 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 is full grown. What was given was not what was asked about. He said God would provide the lamb. So the ram was a substitute <coughs> sacrifice for Isaac, but it was not the lamb that God was to provide. Who was the lamb? Jesus. Who would one day be right around the same location and be sacrificed for us. 
Oh yeah, I got, I got plenty of time. Um, let me show you just. Uh, go flip over to, to John one. This is this is great. You know, Abraham says, God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. John one. One twenty nine. This remember this is John the Baptist. The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Where did he get that? Abraham. The Lamb of God. The Lamb that was promised back with Abraham, that, that Abraham said there would be a lamb that God would provide. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, you know, God promised, um, God promised Abraham the, the land. He, would, he promised that he would give him descendants, and he promised he would give him the land, right? And he said there's land of Canaan, it's land of the... Um, Hittites and the Jebusites and the Moabites, right? Remember? Now, um, I remember uh, when, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I was still, still, still one of my favorite pies is pecan pie. I love a good pecan pie. My grandmother, you don't like pecan pie? <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn. When I, I would go over to my grandmother's house, a lot of times for Sunday lunch or uh, especially holidays, um, a lot of times Sundays, she would, there'd, there'd be times that we, we'd have a, she knew pecan pie was one of my favorites, so she'd make a pecan pie just for um, Sunday lunch. And then every once in a while, especially after I went to college, she'd make two pecan pies, one for us for Sunday lunch and then one for me. Oh, wow. Right? Now, if I said, my, my grandmother, we called her Mimi, I said, Mimi, could I have a piece of that, of that pecan pie? And she said, she'd say, Ryan, this whole pie is for you. Should I get upset at her that I didn't get the piece? No. No. Right? Why? Because I'm getting not only the piece, I'll eat yours too. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really getting the piece, but I'm getting the whole thing, right? Now, if Abraham, God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you this little bit of land over here, but then later he says, I'm going to give you the whole world. Does that include the little bit of land? Flip over to Romans 4. Romans 4.13. I want you to, I'm going to make a, I'm, here's kind of what I'm doing this morning. I've, I'm doing it intentionally. I I'm, I'm, I'm want to give you some teaching, but then I'm going to, I'm going to circle back and, and try to give something a little bit more practical, okay? 
right? This is, I'm hoping, I want you to get some really good theological underpinnings here. I'm going to circle back here in just a moment, though. All right, look at verse 13, Romans 4, 13. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the, what? What does your Bible say? World. world. Heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Is that what we just saw? Right? So what, it's not just that Abraham, God said, I'm going to give you this little piece of land over here. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to give you the whole thing. And to your descendants, right? Your seed, one seed. But really, it, we are members. It's a multi-membered seed, right? That is Jesus. If you are part of Jesus, you are heir with Abraham of the entire world. I'm going to, I'm going to take, take one, more, one more step here, okay? Because this is all, this is how we are with Abraham, okay? Abraham had Isaac. Who had who? And Jacob and Esau. Remember? God says of Jacob, Jacob I loved, and Esau I hated. Oh boy. Any who would I would I would hate to be the person named by in the Bible that God hated me. Why do you think that is? Here's 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 what I believe. Number one, you know, Esau Esau from from he was, when he was young, he was a wild guy and he, he actually rebelled against his parents. He knew his parents wanted him to to marry someone close you know, and he uh, he went he went off and married somebody else just because it would anger them. But here's here's the thing: Esau despised his birthright. He despised his birthright. Now he wanted he wanted the the blessing, right? It's like, hey, give me the power, but I don't want anything to do with my parents. He basically, he said, look, whatever you have to give me, but I want, I, want, I want the power to make money that you got. Give me that power, but I don't care about any of the stuff you got with you right now. He despised his birthright. So I believe what the promise that we have coming down from Abraham, okay, we need, we need to know what that is and not despise what God has given to us. I believe a lot of the church today, they don't even know. You say, what, what is your inheritance? What's your inheritance as the church? I don't know. Good stuff? Right? Right? But what, what this is saying, he is heir of the world. And us, as, the, as part of the seed of Abraham, we have as our inheritance the world. Ask and I'll give the nations to you. That's the cry of my heart. Are we asking for nations? Are we believing for nations? What are we believing for? Are, believing, are, are beliefs too small? Are they just 
for, for what can be for, used on our own personal good. And God wants you to bless you and, and, and help you individually too. But are we believing for nations? You know, Abraham is the father of faith. That's what they say, the father of faith. And as I mentioned, when God told Abraham to take your son, your only son, the son of the promise, he said, I want you to go sacrifice this child on the mountain. I'm amazed. If God had said that to me, I would have said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> right? I said, there's, there's no way. That can't be God. I, you know, at the very least, I would have said, God, I need a huge sign here. You know, and it needs to be in neon lights. You know, how about another sign, Lord? Um, can, can, can I have like three, four, five, six fleeces that I put out? I, I, Lord, this is... I really, really need to figure this out. I need to know that this is possibly... You, you don't get any of that from Abraham. God said, I want you to take your son and go. And he did. The next day. He got up early the next morning, took his son, took his servant with him, you know, laid everything on the donkey that they, and went. What brought... Abraham to take that son of the promise to the point when God says one word go and he goes what brings him to that level of faith in Hebrews it says that Abraham believed that God was even able to raise someone from the dead that he would Strike out in faith that way. How can we have that level of faith when God says, go? I want you to take the most valued thing that you have in your life and I want you to sacrifice it for me. And we say, okay, let's go. I'm going tomorrow. And there's a few things that I think we really can learn from Abraham's life. Number one, we have to follow and keep following. You know, at the very beginning, God says to Abraham, I want you to strike out. Go. Take, get, take your family and go. I'm giving you this land. I'm giving you descendants. I want you to go. I want you to pull up stakes and walk. You know, this can be, it can be a lot of things for us. For, for our family, we've done it. I'm, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma when, uh, after we got married and got, um, got a, a seminary degree, we moved back to Oklahoma, had all four of our girls in Oklahoma, have my family is pretty much all right there. Ruth's family wasn't too far away in Texas. We went down to Texas a lot to see her family. We had everything right there, and God told us, go. 
Um, okay. So we waited for the perfect time to do that with two months after we had our last kid. We got the house ready, put it on the market, sold it in a week, and left. We decided in February, and we moved in, in May. We had Kyla in the end of June. No. I'm sorry, January. It starts with a J. We had Kyla at the end of January, decided in February we were out in, in May, moving to Massachusetts. God said, go. We did. We sold everything and left. And that's happened to us a couple of times. Go. All right. I don't exactly know how we, where, where we'll go, but we're going to follow. We're going to follow. So, so it may be literal. Pick up and go. It may be changing jobs. Done that before. It may be um, something that you have to leave that's in your heart. Are you willing to follow God wherever he says to go? I'm going to change houses. I'm going to change jobs. I'm going to, um, I'm going to uh, get rid of this thing that's in my heart, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It may be a sin or it might be, in, there might be anger or bitterness or it might be, you know what, I've got to, I've got to uh, get rid of some good stuff. That's in, that is standing in the way between me and the, and the Lord. So I'm just going to put that aside. Maybe even it's for a little while. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to listen, because it does take listening. And I'm going to go. See, I believe in the 25 years, God was growing Abraham's faith. So that when God said, take Isaac and go, that he would. He was used to following God, so when God said, pick up again and go, he did the next day. We have to follow. You know, not only do we have to follow, but we have to fight. We have to fight. Abraham was along the way, and like, remember I mentioned, um, Lot, his nephew, was captured. And so it says that Abraham got all the, the men that were born in his house. It said there were 300-ish you know, guys. Which, by the way, um, if you ever wonder how there got to be so many of the Israelites in Egypt, I believe this is, um, this is what it was. Remember, Abraham didn't have any kids except for Ishmael. And yet there were 300 uh, fighting men in his household. He, he was traveling around with a big group of people. A lot of them were slaves because slaves were part of the household, right? Servants. So they were traveling with a big group of folks, right? So, so they went and they fought and Abraham, um, uh, he defeated the kings and he um, uh, took Lot back. He, got, he, he rescued Lot, right? You have to fight. God brings us through uh, to the, the points to grow our faith. God is a good faith grower. We follow him. We also fight. 
It's not going to be easy. And there comes times in all of our lives that we have to fight. Whether that is, there are, there are things that we have to stand up for what is right. Maybe that's, maybe that's at work, or maybe that's at school, or maybe that's with family or friends, that they're saying, hey, look, you should do this. And you say, no, I shouldn't. Here, come, come and go to the party with us, or come and participate in these activities, or come and, and do this. And you say, no, I, I've got to stand up for what's right. Or they may say, look, no, you know, don't be a Christian. No, that's just foolish stuff. You say, no, 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 it's not. This is why I'm a Christian. This is why I'm standing on this. Or maybe it is you, you know and you believe in your heart that God has said for you to do something. And let me tell you, a lot of times God will tell you something way out there. And there will be people that come to you and will say, you really shouldn't do that. You really shouldn't believe that. I remember years ago, I, um, uh, I had a pastor who really believed I should be in a, a seminary or a college or something somewhere teaching. You shouldn't, be a, you shouldn't be a pastor. You should be on staff somewhere teaching. I said, no. No, I, kn I know my call. In fact, he sent a really good friend of mine to me to tell me that. He said, look, I think you should go and, and really, you should really consider going teaching. No, I know. I know, where, I, I know where my call is. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. It takes that fight in you to stand to be able to stand against sin, to be able to stand for righteousness, to be able to stand in the face of people saying, you should not believe or you should leave this behind. You should, you should not keep standing in faith on this. It's going to take fight. God grows our faith to the point that we can, when he says, Go take and sacrifice that kid. He, he, he grows our faith. He teaches us to follow. You'll go through times where you have to fight. I've, I've, if you haven't noticed, I'm using F, so this is going to be a little bit different here. You have to show fealty, F-E-A-L-T-Y. Right? Yeah. Um, fealty, F-E-A-L-T-Y, right? What happens with Melchizedek? Right? And as, I, as I mentioned, Abraham, it, God really started everything with Abraham after he was blessed by Melchizedek. And it wasn't just a blessing, but Melchizedek took the offering, and, I'm sorry, Abraham took the offering and gave it to Melchizedek, right? He, he showed, look, I am, I am willing to be blessed by you. It's coming under that authority and receiving the blessing. And we all need that authority in our lives in order to receive the blessing and to be able to then further um, go on with what, what God has for us. I, I tell you, um, I've, I've, got, I've got two pastors I mentioned before. Um, uh, Papa Tony, Tony Resendez, and he's in... Massachusetts, 
he's, he's closer, and I've got um, John Alley, who I found first, and he, he hit me up with Papa Tony. John Alley in Australia. But one of the reasons I found those guys is because I was going through trial. I was going through a fight. And what happened? I ended up, I ended up finding pastors in the fight, and I'm so glad that I did. But part of that, I, I know when we, when we met with John Alley, Ruth and I, uh, he was going to be in New York, and uh, he said, well, why don't you come down and see us? I said, okay, that'd be awesome. So we went, we went down and stayed the night in a hotel. We, we saw them the, the, the next morning, met them for the first time. What, what did we do? We, we brought presents, little things. You know, some, we, we brought some, um, uh, some syrup from Connecticut. We brought some soap, and we got, brought all these little different gifts uh, and, and, said, and, and gave them to them just to, to show them honor and respect. And when we, when we sat down talking to them, um, I, I told them, I said, look, you, you talk about sonship. I want that. I want to. I want to. I want to be one of your sons. I want you to be my pastor. I want to be one of your sons. Okay. I I showed him honor, and I said, "Look, I'm willing to um, to come under that authority and to be blessed. If you want you want to have your faith grow to the point that you are you are able to walk out when God says." Go and do the most, the hardest thing in the world that you can think of that God could say to go and do. You follow. You realize it's going to be a fight. You need to be under that valid pastoral care and authority. And Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek. Okay, he he gave. If you're not sowing seed, if you're not sowing seed, you're not going to reap a harvest. Anybody in here do any gardening? Gardening, any crops? Craig, how much corn do you get if you don't plant? And, and, and let me let me. This is this was this was new to me not too many years ago. Okay, I always thought, you know, you're, you're sowing seed by giving your tithe. That's that's really not it. Your tithe belongs to God anyway, right? So in an agricultural society, think about it this way: you get all of this this seed, all right? You that's what you harvest. You harvest. Um, you harvest the corn, or you harvest the wheat, or you harvest, right? So you get all of this, you bring it all into the storehouse. You give some of that to God, right? Then some of that you get to eat. You can, you can feed it to your, your um, livestock. You can grind it into meal, right? And then you can, you, can, you can eat on that. But what happens if you eat all of it? You can. You can feed it all to your cattle, Right or to your sheep or you you can do all that, but what happens? You don't have anything left to plant for the next year, right? So some belongs to God, some you get to eat, and some you need to sow. You have to sow that seed for the next year. 
right? So when, you, when, you're, when you're coming under that valid, valid pastoral care, that the authority that God's put into your life, you want to receive that blessing. It's about, it's about also giving and showing that authority by giving un, into that ministry. Amen. The tithe and offering. The next thing is be ready because you will probably foul up. Okay? You'll, you'll, there'll be a foul in there somewhere. And the way, the one reason I'm putting this in here, you know, so God had told Abraham that they were going to have a kid. And Sarah gets antsy. Says, nah, it's not happening by me. Let me help God out a little bit. Here, why don't you take my, my servant girl and have a kid through her. Now, we, we all today look at that and we go, you've got to be kidding. What in the world? But that was, pretty, that was fairly common back then. You could have a line through somebody else. All right? So it, it seems really, really crazy for us today. It wasn't that crazy back then. But nonetheless, Ishmael comes along. He is a child of Abraham, but not the promised child. As we are waiting on God's promise, we're, we're going to mess up. You know what? Did it mean that did, did God come along to Abraham and said, Oh, you tried the wrong way. You're out. I'm going to find somebody else. No. God eventually used um, that relationship there to, to make a distinction. In fact, let me, let me show you that real quick. It, uh, if you're still in Romans, it's um, Romans 9. Verse, starting verse 6, it says, But it's not as though the, the, the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants, but through Isaac your descendants will be named. Okay? Did you get that? They're not all descendants, um, it's, but it's through Isaac. That is, it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of promise is regarded as descendants. For this word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also who had. Um, oops, I think I wrote down the wrong verse. Um, so it's it's not it's not Ishmael. It is it's not Ishmael. It's not through the flesh. It's through Isaac. The promise. And what Paul does is he, he makes a distinction there. Okay? And he actually says, the ones of the flesh, Ishmael, 
right, correspond to the, the current Zion, the Jews who rejected Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm glad this is Paul and not me. All right, I can show you. But the ones of the promise through Isaac is the church. Okay, so God uses the Ishmael later to, to make a point. And let me tell you, we're going to mess up. And as long as you are um, repentant, as long as you are trying to follow after the Lord, as long as you are realizing, you know what, I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the course, it's okay. God's going to use your failures. He's going to use those failures to make you into the person that he wants you to be. He's going to use those failures to make you into the person that he wants you to be. Don't beat yourself up over it. Repent over it. And keep on following. Don't let it hold you back. Just repent. Get rid of it. And go. Don't beat yourself up. God will use those to make you into the person he wants you to be. Now, again, this, that is not meaning rebelling against God and running the other direction. That does not mean sinning willfully and, and saying, I'm okay to keep on sinning. That means when you mess up, and you will, just repent of it, get rid of it, and keep on following. Okay? And don't beat yourself up over it. Because God will take those times that we mess up and he will use those to make us into the person that, um, that he wants you to be. And then, um, then lastly, um, God wants you to fellowship with him. How do, how do we how do we have how does God build in us the faith in order when he says 25 years later says look take that promise and go sacrifice it and you say yep I'm going to go do it. Lastly it's fellowship. Fellowshipping with with the Lord. You know when um, it's really it's an, it's an amazing picture. When God came and he, he told um, Abraham and, and Sarah, by this time next year, you're going to have a, have a child. And uh, they, had, they had offered sacrifice. And then Abraham um, walked with, um, with the Lord and the angels, right? And they're, they're just having a conversation. And uh, they said, should we hide from Abraham what we're about to do? No, let's not. And uh, they're, they're going and look, overlooking Sodom and uh, said, this, is, this place is going to be destroyed. And that's when Abraham says, now, Lord, if there's 50 people there, would you destroy the whole place? And the Lord said, no, I won't. If there's 40 people there, would you destroy? No. If there's, if there's 30 people there, would you? No. You know, and, and, but there's this conversation. There's a, a running conversation with the Lord where he then begins to let Abraham in on what is going on with God. 
what God is doing. Are you having those conversations with God? Is it just a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes at night that you, you know, you're laying in bed and say, oh, I forgot to pray. Oh, Lord, bless so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and, and, and thank you for the day. Amen. Good night. Or are you fellowshipping with him? Are you having that conversation? Are you, are you continually in, in relationship with him where it's not just a, a time where it's uh, the uh, far off other God, right? I mean, other is he, he is distant from you. Or is it a fellowship where you're talking with him and you're having those conversations and you're listening so that you are, you are telling him what's going on in your life and you're listening and saying, okay, what is going on with God? What is he doing? What is he doing in me? What's he doing in the world? What's he doing in my family? What's he doing in the church? What's he doing in our area? Are you listening and having that fellowship with him? Or is it all just a real quick, you're just telling him what's going on and you're, you're going to sleep or you're first thing in the morning and that's it. Is it a time of fellowship where there's a conversation that you're having with the Lord on a daily basis? Is he speaking to you? Or is it just one-sided? And I believe these things are what really builds our faith. I want, you, I want you to realize God is a faith-building God. There have been... Let me, let me just finish up with this. God has given me and given us promises. Some of them go back 30 years. Some of them go back before Ruth and I were together. Then he, he, the Lord started speaking to me about, about my ministry and about what God's going to do. And, and there, there are promises that we've been waiting on 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And it's not an easy process. But God brings us through that process to grow our faith so that when he has the really big things, that he wants you to step out and it takes all the faith that you can muster to step out and without a word, without a, a thought, you say, yes, sir, I'm up and ready going the next morning. How do you get to that point? It's through those 25 years of faithful waiting for those promises. Do you have promises in your life that you're waiting on still? You're waiting and waiting, and you're scratching your head and saying, will they ever get here? Is it possible still? God's building your faith. God's building your faith. And He's building it for a purpose. He's building it for a purpose. Let me, let me close, and I want to pray for you. But here's the question I'm going to ask when we pray. Are you still hanging on to the promises that God has given? Are you still hanging on to them? Or have you said there's no way? There's no way. I'm just, I'm going to hang it up. 
I'm going to, if God says to me one more time that this is going to happen, I'm going to laugh in his face. But Abraham and Sarah both did that, and it's, they still got the promise. Okay? But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for an encouragement, and I want to pray that God will continue to build your faith. Okay? So, Lord, I pray for each person here today. Thank you so much for them. Lord, for those, those in here who have been going through the time of trial, waiting on the promises of God. And it is trial. It's hard. It will, it will just, it will crumple you. I understand. Lord, for those who are waiting, Lord, I pray that you will encourage them. Lord, I pray that you will come once again to them and repeat that promise to them. Lord, I pray for your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray for your love to be upon them. Lord, I ask that you would uh, let, them, uh, let them have that fellowship with you. Let, let them be close to you and let, and let them hear from you again. And Lord, I, I bless them now in the name of the Lord. I bless them with, with encouragement. I bless them with grace. I bless them with favor. Lord, I bless them with strength to be able to keep on going despite what it looks like. Lord, help them to know that they are just in a faith-building, faith-growing process, that you have been you have been doing this for thousands of years. And you know how to build faith in people and to get them ready for the for the big the big questions. Lord, I bless them now in the name of the Lord. Lord, thank you so much that we can look at Abraham, look at others in Scripture that show us your faithfulness, your hope. Lord, we thank you once again for Jesus. Thank you that he is the ultimate that we can look to with our faith and with our hope and we can receive his grace and his mercy and his love. In Jesus' name, amen.